0: Mark chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to go through verse 16 this morning. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Just a little brief, last week we were talking about Jesus sending out the twelve to go and uh, do the work to spread the word, to uh, go out into the different communities and try to tell people uh, the good news, the message about the Messiah, that they needed to repent uh, of their sins and that they needed to turn to him. Uh, and there were some who rejected and there were some who accepted that message. And that's kind of what we talked about a little bit last week. And now we're, we're shifting gears a little bit here in these next few verses uh, this week and next week uh, we're going to be uh, talking about John the Baptist and uh, kind of his fate as he uh, came to a, to, a, to a pretty harsh death there, uh, but anyway, we'll get into that uh, next week, and the verses we're going to look at today, we're going to kind of track a little bit off of, of the context of John the Baptist here, but we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that are mentioned here and maybe how they tie into to us today and things that we need to consider. Uh, I felt like this would be a a good time to maybe kind of talk about some of those things in these few verses. So uh, that's what we'll do today as we dig into these verses. We'll also dig in a little bit to who John the Baptist was and who Elijah was and maybe what some of that significance has in our life today. So let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning and I pray God that you hide me behind the cross, that I would preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. God, I pray that you would help us to be free of any distractions or worries that we may have brought into this place. God, there are things that kind of sometimes consume our minds and our thoughts. And dear Lord, I pray that Jesus would consume our minds and our thoughts. God, not just this morning in this room, but God, every day of our life, dear Lord, our, our, our lives, there are all kinds of things competing for our attention. And I pray, dear Lord, that, that Jesus would win our attention. God, that you would help us to focus more on you and your words and living for you and serving you, God, than we would about things of this world. And I pray that you bless the reading of your word in these next few minutes. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mark chapter 6, verse 14. King Herod heard of this because Jesus' name had become well known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. But others said, he's Elijah. Still others said, he's a prophet, like one of the prophets. When Herod heard of it, he said, John, the one I beheaded, has been raised. Now, all the work of what Jesus had done is continuing to spread. Now, we've seen this throughout the book of Mark, that everywhere Jesus goes, there are people who are around, who, who have heard about what he's doing. They are coming to seek him, in these stories... Of jesus raising people from the dead driving out demons healing all of these diseases these stories are beginning to make their way around and king herod hears of these stories that are taking place now when we see Herod here, this is not to be confused with the same Herod who tried to put Jesus to death when he was born. Now, uh, that would have been this King Herod's father. So this would have been the son, uh, one of the sons of King Herod who was uh, trying to put Jesus to death when he was born because he wanted to kill the Messiah. This would have been the son of that Herod. And here it says that King Herod heard of this. This being all the things that Jesus was doing, that Jesus was sending out the uh, apostles, that all of these things were taking place uh, in the area. King Herod heard of this because Jesus' name had become well known. Now, Jesus' name was well known, but exactly who Jesus was uh, was still not known by everybody. Now, there were some who recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, as well they should have. In particular, John the Baptist's disciples, because he had come to prepare a way uh, for the Lord, and he had told some of his disciples, look, here he comes. Here comes the Lamb of God. He was pointed out. So some knew and recognized who Jesus was. Now, the apostles were among that group, the 12 that Jesus had. Now, even though they didn't really understand everything that was going on, they still kind of had questions and were a little confused about why Jesus did things, or were even still amazed that Jesus was doing the miracles that he he was doing, uh, there were still many people who did recognize Jesus as the Messiah, who were following him. There were others, however, that still weren't sure of who Jesus was. Who is this Jesus? Well, there were some possibilities that were thrown out here in these verses. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that's why supernatural powers are at work in him. So that's one of the options that people thought, well, who is this guy? Well, I don't know. Maybe John the Baptist has come back from the dead. Now, we'll read more about John's death next week in the following verses. Uh, but, but some thought, okay, does Jesus, is, is John come back? Now, John was pretty powerful. He definitely had an impact in the area. Many people came to John. Many people listened to what John the Baptist had to say because he was baptizing them. But he was not only baptizing them in water, he was preparing the way for the Lord. He was letting them know, look, I baptize you with water, but the one who comes is greater than me. The one who's coming, I'm not even worthy to tie the straps of his shoes. And he was pointing people to the Messiah. Now, John's message was not much different than Jesus' message. John's message was, repent. Jesus came onto the scene in Mark chapter 1, and Jesus said, repent. That was the message, to turn from sins. John was telling people that they needed to turn from their sins, but he was also pointing them to Jesus, who would be the one who would be able to forgive them of their sins. John the Baptist prepared the way. People had known about who John was. Uh, he was he was known in the area, and probably because of knowing who John was and what John had been doing, that's the reason why some thought, well, this is John the Baptist who has come back. That's who's, he's continuing the work that he was doing before. This is a similar work to what he was doing, and now this person called Jesus has come onto the scene. This Jesus is John the Baptist who has been resurrected, who has been raised from the dead. That was one thing thought as to who Jesus could be, but Jesus was not John the Baptist. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. Now, another person that some of the people of of Jesus' day thought that it could be is that it could be Elijah. Now, we have some uh, scriptures in the Old Testament To kind of point us to both of these figures to show that these that were mentioned were important people. Uh, These people that were mentioned in Scripture uh, were prophecies that were indeed fulfilled. If you want to turn with me to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, we can see uh, these, these prophecies in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 3, Isaiah forty three forty, verse 3, excuse me, says this, A voice of one crying out, Prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Now, these verses were a prophecy all the way back in Isaiah, but we know that these verses were fulfilled with John the Baptist. If you turn back to Mark chapter 1, you will see that kind of spelled out for us there. Uh, In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, it says, "'The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, "'Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you "'who will prepare your way. "'A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, "'Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight.'" John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So it was John the Baptist who was fulfilling this prophecy that came all the way back from Isaiah's day. And Mark points out to us that John is the one who fulfilled this. Now, John the Baptist and Elijah uh, were similar in some ways. Some of the people thought, well, this is Elijah who is coming. Because the way that John dressed even was similar to the way that Elijah dressed, when we see Elijah in the Old Testament. It, even the, the camel hair uh, that, that, that uh, John the Baptist wore, and, and the leather belt... Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Um, excuse me. Elijah's uh, clothes in the Old Testament were described in the same way. Uh, the, the the clothes he wear, the rough clothes, and the leather leather belt. And so, when John the Baptist came onto the scene, he was in some ways like Elijah of old. Now, Elijah was one of the uh, one of the biggest uh, prophets in the Old Testament. If you've never read or learned about Elijah before, then I would encourage you to do that. You can read about him in, in the book of First and Second Kings, and you can learn a little bit about Elijah. He was a great, mighty prophet of the Lord. And there were lots of other prophets around in those days, but they didn't worship the Lord. One of the best stories, I think, in all of Scripture is when Elijah stands up against the 450 false prophets of the false god, and Elijah stands up for the Lord all by himself. And Elijah did some very miraculous things throughout his time on this earth. Even, even Elijah's departure from this earth was pretty miraculous because he never died on this earth. A chariot of fire came and swept him up and took him up into heaven and he left Elisha standing there watching him uh, go up into heaven. So even Elijah's departure uh, was pretty miraculous. So he was a character, he was someone that people in what we call the Old Testament uh, would have been very familiar with. And here, this group that is talking about Jesus and what's going on, they think, well, maybe he's Elijah. He's the one who has come back. Now, why would they think that? Why would they even be looking for Elijah? Well, because the scripture told them that one day Elijah was going to return. If you want to turn back to Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament, so (coughs) turn to Matthew and turn a little further back, not too far back from where we are. In Malachi chapter 4, Verse 5, we see this prophecy about Elijah returning one day. So this is why that the people were looking for Elijah and thinking that maybe Jesus was Elijah. He says in verse 5, Look, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. So the people here uh, were were seeing the things that Jesus was doing. They knew the scripture. This is interesting and good for us to realize that the people of Jesus' day, uh, at least most of the Jewish people, would have really known God's word, what we call the Old Testament. They would have known it very well. They would have studied the prophets. They would have studied the law in great detail. We know that because we see that to be true all throughout the New Testament. They really put a lot of focus on the prophets and on the law. The problem was is that they never really understood. They kind of missed it. They, they were looking for these prophecies to be fulfilled, and now they were beginning to be fulfilled. What we saw in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, one crying out in the wilderness. It was John the Baptist. It's being fulfilled. And now they're looking for Elijah. Maybe this is Elijah who is returned, and they think Jesus is Elijah. And, 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 and even throughout Jesus' ministry, we see that they never really understood what Elijah's return meant because even as Jesus was on the cross crying out, they said, maybe he's calling for Elijah. So they were right to be looking for Elijah that was to come, but the problem is is that they didn't understand all the prophecies that had been fulfilled and were being fulfilled through John the Baptist, who was pointing forward to Jesus Christ. Now, who was Elijah and is Elijah still to come? Well, some today are still looking for Elijah to come. There are some people today say, oh, you know, one day God's gonna send Elijah back. But I don't believe that he is. I believe that Elijah has already come back. And you say, well, why do you believe that? Well, I think Jesus tells us very clearly who Elijah is. If you want to turn in your scripture, uh, in your Bible, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. Oh, we'll start in verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. Listen to what Jesus has to say about John the Baptist and Elijah here. These two that were mentioned in our passage in Mark. Jesus says in verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been seizing it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. If you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. So, The prophecies that were prophesied and talked about in the Old Testament, in particular these two characters that we're talking about, John the Baptist and Elijah, these things had been fulfilled. What the people of Jesus' day focused on so much, the law and the prophets, Jesus said these things were until John the Baptist. What was the difference between what happened before until John the Baptist and what happened after? Well, the difference was Jesus had come onto the scene. You see, the old covenant, the law, the prophets, all those things, guess what they did? They pointed us to Jesus. They were pointing us forward to Jesus. And there was coming one who was going to prepare the way for the Messiah who was coming. Elijah was going to come back before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And who was that? Well, that was John the Baptist. John the Baptist fulfilled those prophecies. He came preparing a way for the Lord. He was Elijah who was to come so that the people would see the way he was living, the things he was doing, that they would pay attention to what he was saying and doing. Now, do I believe John the Baptist was Elijah reincarnated? Well, no, I don't believe that at all. I believe that he came in the spirit of Elijah. And I think that that's what the verse in Malachi means. And I think that's why Jesus tells us that John the Baptist is Elijah if we are willing to accept it. And so the people of Jesus' day, they saw what Jesus was doing. They knew that they should be looking for someone, something better to come, someone who was going to save them, someone who was going to be their king, their deliverer someone who was going to bring redemption to him. there were many people in Jesus' day who poured over the Scriptures, who knew what the prophecies were, who knew what the law was, and then when those things were fulfilled, they totally missed what was right in front of them. There was one standing right in front of them who was doing what the Scriptures said, and the one in front of them, John the Baptist, what was he doing? Who was he pointing to? He was pointing to the law and the prophets. No, he was not. He was pointing to the Messiah. He was pointing to Jesus Christ. The law and the prophets were until John. And John came and said, look, from this point forward, I'm pointing you to the Messiah. Now, the people of Jesus' day, they, they missed that. We know that at least some of them didn't accept that John the Baptist was Elijah that was to come or else they would not have been asking when Jesus was on the cross saying, he's calling for Elijah. If they would have listened to what Jesus had said, they would have known that the prophecies had already been fulfilled. If they would have listened to what Jesus had said, they would have listened to what John had said. And if they would have listened to what John had said, they would have said, all right, we need to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And there are many people today that I'm afraid, and maybe some in this room, who have missed Jesus, who may have a knowledge of God's word in the same way that the people who wasn't sure who Jesus was, they had a great knowledge of the law and of the prophets, but they were looking for something in the future when what they were looking for had already come. They were looking for a fulfillment of something to come, but it had already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so there were many people of Jesus' day who missed Jesus. They missed him as the Messiah because they did not understand the word, because they did not listen to the word, because they were so focused on reading every letter of the law and every letter of prophet and trying to uh, prophecy and trying to break it down that they missed what was most important. Now, I'm afraid that there are people in this world that do that today too. Even many Christians who do that. One area where we really do that a lot is in the area of eschatology. Now that's a big fancy word that means about uh, talking about end times. Now, as Christians sometimes we may be guilty of spending a lot of time really studying When's the end going to come? When, what's going to happen? When's the end? This is going to be the end. That going to be the end. All oh, the ends coming now. It's the end of the world. And we get so focused on those things and reading those things, we miss what's most important. We miss what we should be focusing on and what we should be doing. Now, I'll admit, I've spent probably too much time in my life thinking about those things. I really have. And I realized just last week talking to somebody, I realized, I said, if I spend as much time studying... And, and seeing what Jesus wanted me to do and studying how he lived for people and loved for people and the example he given, that would be a lot more beneficial to me as a Christian than knowing about the end times. But that's all we want to talk about. Wednesday ain't going to come. It's going to come soon. I had a lady the other day, it's been a few weeks ago, she, she was talking to me. And she said, she said, well, you know, it's about to be the end of the world. It's coming to an end soon. Yeah. I said, no, I don't know. And she looked at me like I was crazy, like I was eating a hundred dollar bill. I don't know when the end of the world's gonna be. That may be close, I don't know. But we can get so focused on things that don't matter. See, here's what happens for a lot of people. They hear about Jesus and they say, oh, I don't want to go to hell. And so what they do is they turn to Jesus, but what they're really doing is they're getting a little fire insurance. Oh, I don't want to go to hell. And then instead of listening to what Jesus says and doing what Jesus uh, uh, tells us to do and following his example, we say, all right, I want to follow him because I don't want to go to hell. And then our attention shifts immediately. Oh, when's he gonna come back? Well, I think, how bad are things going to be and we miss all the in-between all the in-between is our whole life and everything we do now guess what yes if we put our faith and trust in jesus christ we will be saved from hell praise the lord that's great and guess what one day jesus christ is going to return but you know what's more important is the times in between those It's the times that we have to live our life every day and the things we do and the way we treat people, the way we love people, the way we act, what we devote our, 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 our efforts and our energies toward, that's what matters the most. Amen. And that's what we need to be focused on. You see, a lot of people, I think, they come to church and they hear about Jesus and they believe he's a good guy, but to them, they don't really understand what it means to follow Jesus, to serve Jesus. That's why we need to read and study and learn about Jesus' life, how he lived and how he loved and how he treated people. Jesus is not just a get-out-of-jail-free car. That's kind of how we treat Jesus, or I think some people do at least. Uh, We got our Monopoly board of life, and we're going around, and we say, Oh, oh, there's Jesus. He might get-out-of-jail-free car. I'm not going to hell. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul, which is a great thing. But that's not all that there is to Christianity. Christianity is not just about escaping hell. Now, that may be news to some of you, but let me say that again. Christianity is not just about escaping hell. It's about serving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He is the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the Savior of the world. And Christianity is about us saying, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior. How can I serve you? That is Christianity. But see, oftentimes we want to skip over that. We praise the Lord for being saved, as we should. God's grace is good. He does wash our sins away as we talked about in children's church this morning. That's great. But after we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus and put our faith in Him, what we are saying is, Lord, I want to serve you. God, I want to live for you. So how do we live for Jesus? Well, how did He live for people? What did Jesus do? Number one, He loved people. Number two, He had compassion on people. Number three, he met people's needs. Now, if we do those three things, if we strive to do those three things, guess what? We're doing what God wants us to do. It's going to change our life, and it's going to change the lives of the people that we impact both those who we may be helping on a one-on-one level, uh, both those around us who may see our actions, not to boast in us, but to boast in the Lord's. When we do the things that God wants us to do and we live for Him, we are serving Him. But too many times we look past the things that we have on this world that we could be doing for the Lord. We look past those things because we're looking to when's Jesus coming back. Oh, is this it? What does this scripture mean? Could this be the end of the world? And all the while we're looking for the end of the world while we're overlooking the world that we're living in. We're overlooking the needs that are in front of us. Now, we need to get our our focus where it needs to be, myself included. I'm not just preaching to y'all, I'm preaching to me. Because, look, we get caught up in these things, and I'm not saying don't study about uh, eschatology, don't ever read Daniel and Revelation. I'm not saying that. Read God's Word. God's Word is good. We need to study it. We need to try as best we can to understand it. But what is most important in our life is accepting Jesus Christ and not missing Him and what He has called us to do. Now, there may be some in here who have missed him completely. There may be others in here. You really do have faith in Jesus Christ, but maybe you've missed what he's really called you to do. Maybe you've missed what he's calling for you to do in your life, the way that you need to live your life, the way you need to be faithful to him, the way you need to serve him. Maybe there are other things that are drawing your attention away from Jesus today. And there were plenty of things in Jesus' ministry that he told people. And they totally missed what he said. And even when he speaks of John, when he says, look, John the Baptist, he is the Elijah who was to come if you're willing to accept it. Now you may or may not accept it, John the Baptist was Elijah to come. But I want to tell you that that's not the most important thing that you can accept or reject today. That question could, could also go for our decision of whether or not we're going to follow Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. He loves you. He has power over death. He has power and authority to forgive you of your sins. And He will be your Lord and Savior, and He wants to be your Lord and Savior if you are willing to accept it. There was lots of things that Jesus taught throughout his ministry that totally passed people by. They didn't pay any attention to what he was saying. Jesus wants us to love other people. That's what he calls us to do. That's what he wants your role to be, one who loves other people, if you are willing to accept it. He wants you to be compassionate to people. That's the role he wants you to play. If you are willing to accept it. He wants to be the most important thing in your life. He wants you to put him first. He wants you to love him more than everything that, that you have if you are willing to accept it. Sadly, though, there are some people in the world who aren't willing to accept it. There are some in the world that aren't willing to accept his salvation. There are some in the world that say, well, Lord Jesus, I'll follow you if you'll get me out of hell, but I don't want to have to actually do anything for you. I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to help the poor. I don't want to get rid of my money. They're stinky and dirty and nasty. Why should I give my money? I worked hard for them, Lord Jesus, I love you, and you're a good guy and all, but I don't want to do that stuff. You know what that stuff is called? It's called Christianity. In our world, the definition of Christianity may be, come to church on Sunday, dress nice, Say God bless you to people when you see them on the street. Tell them we'll pray for them, even though sometimes we may forget and never actually pray for them. That's what the world's definition of Christianity is. But that's not what Jesus' definition of Christianity is. Jesus' definition is to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus' definition of Christianity is to help the widowed and the orphan, to help the poor and the needy and to love people who are unlovable, even our enemies. That's Christianity. A lot of people will say, I want to be a Christian or I am a Christian, but they don't want to be that second definition I told you. They want to go to church. They don't actually want to serve the Lord. They don't actually want to read his word. They don't actually want to see what Jesus said. They don't actually want to do what Jesus did. They just want to feel better about themselves and say, well, praise the Lord, I ain't going to hell. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is so much more than escaping hell. A relationship with Jesus Christ is knowing that He's our Lord and knowing that He's our Savior and saying, Lord Jesus, I know what you call me to do and I accept it. Lord Jesus, I know you died on a cross for me to forgive me of my sins and I accept it. That's what we have to answer that question today. Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to accept the grace that he wants to give you by shedding his blood on a cross? And are you willing to accept the calling that he has on your life, the way he wants you to live for him, and the things that he may want you to do for him? Are you willing to accept it? If you're willing to accept that truth, I want to tell you what, there's great joy in that. If we're willing to accept that, God will bless us. If we're willing to accept that, it may not always be easy. But God will always be with us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. And we thank you for these words. And I pray, God, that as we talk about John the Baptist and Elijah, dear Lord, that we understand your word as best we can, God. That we see what John was doing and preparing the way for Jesus. That we hear the message that he preached. But more importantly, we hear the message of the one that he preached about. So, God, I pray that the message of John will point us to Jesus. God, I pray that Jesus' own words will point us to it. And I pray, God, that you would just help us to see things in our life maybe that we're not doing. Maybe there are areas where we have not been willing to accept the call that you have in our life, dear Lord. We hadn't been willing to accept the responsibilities that you've placed on us, God, because, well, they're hard. They're tough, dear Lord. It's tough to do the things that Jesus told us to do, God, but I pray that you help us to love our enemies. I pray that you would help us to take care of the poor and needy. God, I pray that you would give us compassion, God, especially for me, dear Lord. There are days that my patience is thin, and I pray that you forgive me of that, God. Maybe there are others who struggle in that area, too. I pray that you would help them. And I pray that we would learn from Jesus, God. We, we see these things in your, in your word, prophecies and end times and all this stuff. God, this is in your word. It's important. But, God, it's not what's most important. And I pray that we don't miss what's most important, and that's your son. God, I pray that we would seek Jesus with all our heart, mind, soul, that we would trust in him, God. I pray that we'd put our faith in him and know that putting our faith in Jesus is more than just coming to church on Sunday. But God, living for you every day of the week. So I pray that you would help us to do that. God, maybe there's one in here that has not been willing to accept that Jesus was your son that he was the Savior of the world. Maybe today they're willing to accept it. God, maybe there are things as Christians that you call us to that we don't want to do. But God, maybe today we realize that we need to do those things. God, maybe today we we are ready to accept what you call us to. God, maybe there are some things in our life that are really bad that shouldn't be there, and we don't want to accept that either. But God, let us be willing to accept that and to confess those sins to you.